This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, May 13th, 2020. I'm Caleb Brown. Senator Josh Hawley would like to remove the United States from the World Trade Organization. What would be the economic consequences for a U.S. economy already suffering greatly? Does the WTO deliver in terms of resolving disputes among countries over trade? Dan Eikenson directs the Herbert A. Stiefel Center for Trade Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. He comments. You know, I think that he and other nationalists harken back to a day when the United States was the preeminent economy in the world, the sole superpower, really, um, where life was simpler. We didn't have to contend with rising powers like China uh, and 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 thinks that many of America's problems lay at the feet of of our engagement internationally, of our openness that we've been taken advantage of. You know, a lot of these post-war institutions that were created uh, under U.S. tutelage, like the, the the General Agreement on Tariffs and Trade, which became the WTO and the UN and the World Bank and the IMF, um, the nuclear umbrella that the United States provided so that it would be easier for Europe and Japan to recover from the war and focus on economic growth. Uh, There's this view that we were taken advantage of by flipping the bill for that, uh, as though, you know, resisting Soviet expansionism and uh, creating uh, economic dynamism wasn't good for the United States. So it's this zero sum view of the world uh, that. Everybody else who makes gains comes at America. Those gains come at America's expense. And it's really not that way. Uh, This is a mutually reinforcing, mutually beneficial relationship to have a global economy and to have rules that facilitate our interactions in the global economy. So he has proposed, uh, one, ending the World Trade Organization. uh, And by way of getting to that goal, to withdraw the United States from the World Trade Organization. How does that change uh, the U.S. relationship with the rest of the world with respect to trade? That would really complicate matters. It would be uh, uh, self-sabotage at an unimaginable scale. Now, look, I, I, I agree that the World Trade Organization has some flaws, and it's worth revisiting those flaws and thinking about how we can make that body work better. But ascribed to the World Trade Organization are responsibilities that they never that that it doesn't really have. Um and and Hawley seems to think that the WTO sort of abetted China's rise, the WTO is bad for the United States, that it's anti-American. Really all the WTO is is a set of rules agreed to by its members. Today, there are 164 members uh, in the WTO. Rules to liberalize trade and to, and, and to abide by those rules. Um, there, there's not much of, a, of an enforcement mechanism. There is a dispute settlement system, which um, where, the, where the WTO dispute settlement body will say that a particular country may be in violation of its commitments and recommends that it comes into conformity. But the most it can ever do is to say, all right, the United States isn't coming into conformity or China isn't coming into conformity. So you can therefore, um, uh, uh, relieve yourself of the concessions you made. You can re-increase your tariffs, uh, to where they were before, but it's not, 
the, the WTO doesn't have a, a real strong disciplining mechanism. It's been very hard to liberalize trade because there are so many countries in it now. At the outset, when it was the gap, uh, m- most of the architecture of that uh, uh, of that institution reflected U.S. input exclusively, or U.S. and European input. Now there are 164 countries. We have to make room for. You know, it's harder to um, uh, to. We have to accommodate other countries viewpoints. And so it's been slow. There hasn't been much liberalization in, in quite some time. But by pulling the United States out of the World Trade Organization, all that Hawley would accomplish would be to put U.S. exporters on a very unlevel playing field. That would mean that all these other 163 countries can raise their tariffs on U.S. products. Uh, U.S. importers would not have favorable access to foreign uh, products. There's, there's no reason to do that when a better solution would be to work within the system uh, to address its flaws and, and revise it. But of course, I think one of the big problems here is China. And, and there's this view among, held by Hawley and, and, and others like him uh, that the rules prevent the United States from acting the way it should to defend itself against Chinese mercantilism. And, and the Trump administration has demonstrated that it, it believes that as well. It's launched a unilateral trade war against China. Um, but we didn't have to go that route. And I think that we've assumed that the WTO was, was, was not going to be helpful in this regard. It was an assumption that was not warranted. Uh, and before it's too late, I think we really should go back and reinforce the institution, find out how we can, how we can make it work. And, and frankly, the fact that Hawley has proposed this withdrawal uh, it is going to likely um, induce a debate in the Senate. And uh, it would be interesting to see where the Senate stands on these issues. Uh, we, we, a lot of people have been mum. A lot of people have deferred to Trump. Uh, but what do they really think? Uh, this is an important institution. Let's see uh, how, how it plays out. Uh, to the extent that the U.S. has brought claims at the WTO, in particular against China, what's been the result? Uh for the United States and every other country that brings cases, the complainant wins about 90% of the time. Uh, the, the, the system is set up so that members don't bring complaints against other members unless they're pretty sure they're going to win. Uh, the United States has brought more cases than anybody else to the WTO. It has prevailed on more cases than anybody else. The U.S. has also been a defendant uh, more than anyone else. So it has lost more cases than anyone else. Um, the, the, the narrative that the WTO can't rein in China's practices is one that has never really been tested. Uh, we've brought about two dozen cases against China in the WTO and prevailed on just about every one of them, uh, everyone that has been adjudicated. But now we're complaining about things that are testable within that system. But instead of bringing the case to the WTO, we've launched this unilateral trade war. Had we stood shoulder to shoulder with the Europeans and the Japanese and the Koreans, whose exporters have the same problems as American exporters with China, and brought the case within the WTO, I, I'm, I'm rather certain that China would have responded in a favorable way, and we would not have all these tariffs in place, and uh, we wouldn't be in this uh, this you know pandemic uh, emphasized um, economic uh, problem. This uh, pandemic has sort of created this opportunity among other opportunities to sort of uh, get tough on China. If you watched some of Joe Biden's early sort of foreign policy statements after this pandemic broke out, uh, he was sort of appearing to try to uh, out uh, bully 
China uh, out Trump Trump on uh, China is, you know, if this thing doesn't subside as we all hope it does, uh, how likely do you think it is that the United States will actually withdraw from the WTO? Well, I, I do think it's unlikely that we will withdraw from the WTO. Uh, you know, when, when we joined the WTO, the implementing legislation was called the Uruguay Round Agreements Act. And that legislation required that every five years, the administration should produce a report for Congress to act upon as to whether or not, you know, on the question of whether or not we should remain in the WTO. In the year 2000, there was a vote in Congress, uh, in the House, and something like 35 members uh, were in favor of, uh, of withdrawal. There was another vote in 2005 in the House, and uh, slightly more, maybe 50 or 55 or 60 voted to, to, to pull out. There's never been a vote in the Senate. Um, I, I don't think that uh, that we, we've gone so far down that road that we're, we're ready to withdraw yet, but this does provide an opportunity for us to really discuss it and to talk about these things. Um, I do think that that China is going to be a punching bag between now and, and the election in November. Uh, Biden wants to claim that he's he's really tough on China. Trump wants wants to claim that mantle. They seem to think that that's part of a winning formula. And this whole idea, you know, we hear Hawley and others talk about that we need to repatriate our supply chains. There's, we depend too much on China, you know, and, and blame the w, we blame the WTO for that outcome. When in fact, the WTO facilitated reduction of trade barriers. We saw these revolutions in transportation and communication over the past 50 years. That made it possible for production to happen along globalized cross-border supply chains and businesses chose to do that. Some have diversified their supply chains and are, are relatively immune from, you know, political problems, business climate changes, regulations, barriers that that affect parts of the supply chain because they're diversified. Some are too vested. So I think repatriating is not the answer but you know some some degree of decoupling is probably necessary it probably it's the it's the prudent response let's not blame the wto for that let's not blame china for that this is business optimizing and consumers optimizing and i don't see any consensus for limiting the freedom of people and businesses uh, to pursue uh, what the optimal choices are Dan Eikenson directs the Herbert A. Stiefel Center for Trade Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. We spoke last week. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast wherever you please and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. <laughs>